are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, good morning. Like Cindy said, it is so good to be back. We had a great time in, uh, in Salmon Arm. And, um, you know, one of the, this is our, the first sabbatical that we've ever taken, and, and I just didn't know what to expect. And the very first time we went to church uh, on Sunday morning, you know, it's, it's very different because it's hard sometimes to take the pastor hat off. And um, we, uh, Cindy says, we looked at, uh, at the website, we saw that the church started at, uh, at 10 o'clock, so I said, well, let's show up at 10.15. You know, I, I want to be just like you guys, right? <laughs> so, so I got ready, and I, and I showed up at 10.15, and we just kind of walked in and sat at the back, and the worship was going on, and it's just kind of like you're looking around, it's kind of like, okay, Lord, how am I just to get in the service and not to, not to tear it apart and say, well... Uh, I really like how they did that. I didn't like how they did that and, and this kind of a stuff. So I just kind of closed my eyes and just fo- focused on, work, uh, on worship. And then when it was finished, um, the pastor comes up and he gets ready to speak. And as he's speaking, I hear... And I'm like, what is that? So I'm looking around and all of a sudden I look across the other side of the church and there's a guy sitting with a bird on his shoulder. And the bird's just singing away, and the pastor's, the pastor's preaching. I'm like, the, the, bird's, the bird's chirping. Like, like what would I do? And, and so, so he's just going on and going on, and nobody's doing anything, and this bird's just singing away. And then all of a sudden, the guy gets up, and he takes his bird, and he puts it on the floor. Right in the middle of the guy's sermon, he starts going. And the bird starts hopping around, following him as he's walking around and snapping his fingers. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is different. I, I just don't know what I would do. And I thought, you know what? I know what I'd do. I'd say, you know, I'm so glad sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so brought their bird today. I think it's great to bring your pets to church. Next week, I encourage everyone with a, with a cat to bring it. You know, like, just, just come on out and, and enjoy that. And that. That would be awesome. So, love you guys. Please leave your birds at home. I'd really appreciate it so that way I don't have to deal with that. And that would be a real blessing. Amen? The title of my sermon this morning, a sermon series, is called Plan B, When Things Don't Go the Way We've Expected. How many of you in this room have had something happen that you just didn't expect it? It's just kind of like, oh. You know, we started off our trip on Salmon Arm, and we left Cold Lake, and we made it as far as Red Deer, and I checked the, uh, the road conditions, and there was that big uh, storm that happened over in the southern Alberta, and all the roads to BC were closed. And we're like, oh my goodness, like, what are we going to do? Like, I was looking at back roads, I was looking at every possible way, and every way there was a section of the road closed that we couldn't get to BC. So we decided to spend the night in a hotel in Red Deer, and uh, we thought, well, you know what, it's water, I'm sure in the morning it'll be all good. So we, we, uh, we went off to bed, and we turned on the weather channel, and we realized that it wasn't just water, that there was total devastation that was taking place. So the next day we wake up and, and the roads are all closed and we say, well, let's th- spend one more night in Red Deer, see if some of this stuff opens up because it, you know, it's Highway 1, Highway 1A. There's some main roads that were all closed and it's kind of like, how, how are we going to do this? So we spent another night in Red Deer and then the next day we checked the roads and they're still all closed and we're like, man, we could be in Red Deer for 
a year. Like, who knows how long it's going to take before these roads open up. So what do we do? You know, you're driving down the road, you've got a, you've got a plan, you know which way you're going to go, and then boom. You know what? The, the, a, a traffic pole f- falls down, and, and there's sparks everywhere. And you're like, man, I, I can't get around this. I can't drive through this. What am I going to do? So we decided that, well, A, we can go back to Coal Lake and just sort of hang out there, but we're already in Red Deer. It's kind of like, well, that's such a waste of a trip. That's another five hours out of our way. Or B, we could just wait in Red Deer another couple days, see if the road opens up. Or C, we can go the long way, and now we're up in there. We've got to go all the way through Jasper and up around the back way, which would take about a 13, 14-hour drive. And well, let's do that. So we, we, we chose that option, and we made it into Salmon Arm, but it was one of those things that were just kind of like, wow, what do you do when something doesn't happen the way that you expected it? What do we do as Christians? When all of a sudden we know what's happening, we know our lives, we've got a great life together, and then boom, we get some bad news. Or boom, something happens that we don't expect in our life. What is your response? What is my response? Is it to turn on God and say, you know what, God, that's not fair. Lord, I'm a blessed and highly favored person. The Bible tells me that I'm blessed and highly favored. So why is this bad stuff happening to me? Obviously, God, we're in the outs, and if you don't like me, I don't like you. When I, was in, when I was in BC, I had a I had a guy in Calgary who went to my church in Calgary, and and I hadn't thought about this guy for quite a few years, but he was on my heart all the time. And he was this guy in Calgary who every single time I saw him, he would say to me these words: Hey Pastor, did you read your Bible today? And I'd be like, you know what? I haven't read it today. He's like, get reading your Bible. That's the most important thing. You need to read your Bible today. So I'd go and read my Bible and say, Hey, thanks, man. So he was on my heart, he was on my heart, and I'm like, man, why is this guy on my heart so much? So I thought I'd give him a call. And I called him up, I said, hey, how you doing? It's Lance Steve's calling. He's like, well, it's not a good time right now. I said, well, can, I'll call you back later. He's like, is this, is this Pastor Lance? I'm like, yeah. He's like, wow, I haven't heard from you for seven years. I'm like, yeah, I know, God just put you on my heart. He goes, I'm going to stop you right there. I said, what? He says, I just want you to know, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in that stuff anymore and I don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, how is that possible? How, how can a guy who challenged me every single day, have you read your Bible today? Have you read your Bible today? All of a sudden, something t- take place where it's like, I don't want to talk about the Lord anymore because I don't believe in that stuff. Every single one of us in this room knows somebody that some situation, something that has happened, that all of a sudden it's kind of like, God, why would you do that to me? Why would that happen, Lord? If you really love me, there's no way that you would do this. They want to take a look at the Word of God. If you open up your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel, we're going to be jumping through a few different chapters here, but we're going to start in number 16. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by the appearance of height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse sat down with him, David. He was dark and handsome, with beautiful eyes, and the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among the brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil uh, he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramai. Here this shepherd boy is out minding his own business, looking after sheep. 
and he's hurried home to meet with his father Jesse and he's prophesied over that he's going to be king. There's some dreams in this room. God has told people different things. Maybe even when you're a little kid that haven't come into fruition yet. And it's kind of like, God, I know you're wanting to do something in my life. God, I know that you've got plans for my life. And here's this little guy who's like, man, I'm a shepherd boy. There's no way I'm going to be king. And then can you imagine him just kind of dreaming? Like, man, what would that look like? Me, king. That'd be pretty cool. But how? How is this going to take place? And all of a sudden... Most of us know the story. Goliath comes on the scene. He's a giant. And the Philistines are attacking the Israelite army. And instead of having the big battle, it's that, you know what, choose your best soldier and I'll choose my best soldier. And whoever loses the army surrenders. So Goliath stands up there and Goliath was a giant of a man. And the Bible says that he, he would stand on the hill and taunt the Israelites. And the Israelites were so afraid that they hid and then here comes this little shepherd boy and he comes out and he comes to bring food to his brothers who are on the front lines. And when he hears this, this Philistine taunting the Israelites, he's like, I'll fight him. So it goes before Saul because nobody else wants to do it. And Saul's like, I don't know if this is a good idea. You're just a kid. He's like, well, you know what? God's given us, I got it. You know, trust me, this is all good. And then Saul says, well, you know what? We've got no other chance or no other choice. So he tries to put him into his armor and David's like, this doesn't fit me. This isn't who I am. I just need to be free. I need to know what I know and, and go before the giant with a sling and a stone. And again, you know the story. He goes before the giant. He dis defeats the giant. At that very moment, he goes from shepherd boy David to a celebrity. All Israel knows who this guy is. He's the deliverer of Israel. He defeated the giant. He did something absolutely spectacular. So much so that King Saul says, you know what? I'm going to give you my daughter, Michael, or Miguel. And I'm going to give you her to be able to, 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 to marry her. And he's like, now I'm a prince. I see the dream coming into fruition. I see this happening. This is so good. And I imagine he's making plans. He's getting excited. Things are happening. But then all of a sudden, we read down in... Uh, Verse 18, the very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. He began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing in the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand, and suddenly he hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall, but David escaped him twice. David, soon to be father-in-law, does something that David didn't expect. He picks up a spear and tries to kill him. And you think you have in-law issues. <laughs> David's sitting there. It's just kind of like, I don't know what to do. If I hang around here, this guy's going to kill me. So when, when something goes on, he takes it into his own hands and he runs and he hides. How many times do we do that? You know what? The enemy would love us to isolate ourselves. That is the best place to be when you're facing the giant, when you're going through that, that difficult season to, to isolate yourself and just say, well, you know what? I, I, I'm scared. I have fear. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be around people. I'm going to isolate myself. And all of a sudden, your mind starts to play tricks on you and you start to doubt your, even your salvation. And you walk in that place saying, God, and it just runs over and over because you don't have someone else speaking faith and life into you saying, you know what? Stop it. 
Your God is bigger than your problem. You need to t- take your eyes off of the problem and focus on the solution. And that's what happens when we isolate ourselves. So David runs and he hides and he puts himself in a cave and he takes his eyes off the Lord because he's afraid for his very life. Have you ever noticed that when things aren't going the way that we plan, that we start to question the Lord and what he's doing in our life? That is, that is when the enemy wants so desperately to isolate us because there's life in the body. There's a famous book written years ago by C.S. Lewis called the screw tape letters in this book the head demon screw tape is teaching the young apprentice wormwood the demon of warfare and he says this let his inner resolution be not to bear whatever comes to him but to bear it for a reasonable period and then let that reasonable period be shorter the fun in that is to make the man yield just when relief is almost in sight think about that How many times has that exact demonic tactic been used on you? How many times have we missed witnessing God at work in the midst of our shattered dream because we give up five minutes or five months too soon? So David made a mistake. We all have made. He thinks he understands God and His ways. He thinks that he knows what God should be doing. And when that doesn't go as planned, he runs and he hides into a cave. We all get in trouble when we assume that we know what God's thoughts are. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, verse 8, My thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways, they're far beyond anything that you could imagine. We read earlier about David's victory over the giant but I wonder if that victory would have come if a boy, if David didn't have to face the bear and the lion. Those scary, those tough situations prepared David for his destiny. What you're facing right now, the struggle that you're going through right now is very possible that God is preparing you for the destiny that he has for you. That God is preparing that for that dream to be able to come into fruition. But man, we're in the microwave generation. We don't want to wait. We want it and we want it now. And we, and we somehow get a warped idea of who God is. And we think of God as a genie where we rub the lamp and say, Lord, do my will. But yet God says, not your will, but my will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And that is where we need to focus. That is where we need to look. You have a destiny. You have a dream to fulfill. But you know what? Fear will cripple you from that. Tough times, they're going to come. And when they do, what is our responsibility? You think we can be like the apostles of old? In the book of Acts, we read in Acts chapter 5, the others accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and they had them flogged. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach the preaching this message that Jesus is the Messiah. You know what? We go to our churches and the churches quite often focus on we're blessed and highly favored, which is absolutely true. We are a blessed and highly favored people. But yet here we have apostles who are being flogged. They're being whipped and then they rejoice. 
because they said, Jesus, you found me worthy of this. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'm there. You know what, I think if, if all of a sudden, I know they don't do that in Canada, but all of a sudden I went somewhere and I was whipped or beat or flogged because of my faith. Would I have the guts just to, to rejoice and then go out everywhere and, declaim that Je- and proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah? My friends, it's time for us to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is awesome, but it's not always comfortable. It's wonderful, and yes, our hope is in the Lord, and we know that heaven is going to be glorious. But sometimes there's prices that have to be paid. And sometimes when we go through these trials, we don't like them. But you know what's so awesome? Is we have a God who says he'll never leave you or forsake you. He's there with you in the midst of it. You know what? It's like, it's like God is the, is the creator of the universe. It's the whole universe is in the palm of his hands. And all of a sudden, when we get really upset because something you know what, maybe a bill comes in the mail for a thousand bucks. It's kind of like, God, that's not fair. And the Lord's like, I got you. I got you. I need you to be able to trust me. I need you because I need to show you the small things before I can give you the big things. And in those small things, what is your natural response? Is your natural response to be like, you know what, God? What is going on here? You know what? I'm just so done with Christianity. I'm so done with churches. I'm so done with people. You know what? I'll tell you the truth right now. I love this little stage set because it's ugly. It's not appealing. It's not like man. And that is the body of Christ. We are not a perfect church. We are not going to do everything in this church right. We are going to make mistakes. But you know what? We love God with all of our hearts. And we say, God, would you teach us? And if we never, ever had any failings, then there's no way we would ever get to that place of victory. Because we learn in the lessons of failure, don't we? And in our own personal lives, we learn in the lessons of failure. How big is your God? Do you have the kind of faith that makes you notice in hell? Are you a threat to the enemy? Well, if so, i got good news for you. The Bible says what the enemy has meant for evil, that God will use for good. I've seen that happen. You know what? People have asked me about the sabbatical. Hey, have you, did you feel rested? You, yeah, I loved it. It was awesome. But truthfully, you know what the best thing of the sabbatical was? Is I got to hang out with my son. And I got to be a dad to Lucas. And sometimes in ministry, you get called away and, and there's maybe, maybe your son is at home and he's just like, you know what, Dad, I, I kind of need you tonight. Can you teach me how to throw a baseball? And you're like, I can't because someone is in trouble or a crisis has come up and I need to be there. And one thing that Lucas has always struggled with is fear. And I've had different people pray over him. But yet he just seems like he's just so scared. And over this sabbatical, I sat down with Lucas and I said, son, why are you afraid? He says, I don't know. I just got these things in my life that I'm afraid of. And I said, son, there's nothing you have to be afraid of because your mom and dad love you. 
and you've got Jesus in your heart and God is with you. And something just clicked inside of his head or inside of his spirit. Where that night he went to bed and he didn't turn on his nightlight and he's just like, I don't need it anymore, Dad. God broke it. And I thought, well, maybe that's just one night, but night after night after night, he said to me tonight, uh, uh, about two nights ago, he goes, Dad, tonight, not only am I going to sleep in the dark, but I'm closing my door. (laughs) I'm like, that's awesome, Luke. And I give all the glory to God because that is something that we've wrestled with with him since he was a little kid. And God broke it. As believers, we're not promised a carefree life. But we have been promised that he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. My friends, don't run. Don't hide. Don't isolate yourselves. Don't get caught up in trivial matters because the enemy wants you to think that it's a mountain, that, oh my goodness, I'm so offended with so-and-so or I'm so upset with so-and-so and really it's nothing. Let it go. Adversity has a way of introducing a man to himself. For we can have those top-of-the-world experiences when things are going great, where we're untouchable. But in the middle of adversity, you're going to quickly see what truly is inside of your heart. So David is on the run. He's hiding from Saul in darkness when he meets Ahimelech. We see this in 1 Samuel 21. David went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he saw him. Why are you alone, he asked. Why is no one with you? The king has sent me on a private matter, David said. He told me not to tell anyone why I'm here. I have told my men where to meet me later. Now, what is there to eat? Give me five loaves of bread and anything else that you have. David meets this priest, Ahimelech, and he lies to him, telling him that Saul sent him. What is lying? Isn't lying truly just another form of running? Another form of hiding? Because we don't want people to truly know who we are? God wants to be our rock. God wants to be our fortress, our deliverer. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12.10, that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardship, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, he is strong. Let's read on. David said to Ahimelech, do you have a spear or a sword? The king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. I only have the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah. The priest replied, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the epipod. Take it if you want, for there is, for there is nothing else here. There is none like it, David replied. Give it to me. Out of all the places in the world that David could have gone, he goes to this temple and he asks the priests if he has any weapons there. And the only weapon that he had happened to be the sword of Goliath. Why do you think the Lord did that? I believe that the Lord did that to remind David, trust me, David, I allowed you to defeat the giant against all the odds. What are you doing running? What are you doing lying to the priests? Trust me, David. I've got you, man. 
But David doesn't, doesn't heed the, 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 the gentle, loving reminder of the Lord. And he grabs a sword and he continues to do things on his own strength. When we give up on God, it becomes easy to fall into harmful behaviors that not only hurt ourselves, but it hurts others and our loved ones. For our head becomes clouded and all we can think of is easing and discomforting pain. Have you ever seen anyone who's been set free from an addiction, then boom, they fall right back into it? This is why. Addiction is just one way we, we run. An addiction can be anything. Watching TV, keeping busy, working so much, pornography, overeating, drinking, drugs, anything that gives the illusion of avoiding pain. And the truth is, is that when we deny and minimize our wounds over a period of years, we become less and less human. What's your pattern? How do you ease pain? Because the only way that we can truly ease pain is to go to before the Lord and say, God, help. I am in a dark situation right now, Lord, and I need your strength. Because everything else is just a crutch. Everything else will just lead us into deeper and deeper into trouble. What's your pattern? Do you lie? Do you manipulate? Perhaps you turn to anger. Maybe you take pills. Maybe you like to retaliate. Maybe you turn your back on God. Where has running taken you? Did it end the pain or did you find that it made it worse? So then Saul arrives in Nod. And in 1 Samuel 22.11, it says, King Saul immediately sent for Ahimelech and all of his family who served as priests at Nob. When they arrived, Saul shouted at him, Listen to me, you son of a tube. What is it, my king, Ahimelech says? Why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me? Saul demanded. Why did you give him food and a sword? Why have you consulted God for him? Why have you encouraged him to kill me as he's trying to do this very day? But Sir Ahimelech replied, Is anyone among you all your servants as faithful as David, your son-in-law? Why is he the captain of your bodyguard and highly honored member of your household? This was not certainly not the first time that I had consulted God for him. May the king not accuse me and my family in this matter, for I knew nothing at all of a plot against you. You will surely die, Ahimelech, along with your entire family, the king shouted. And he ordered his bodyguards, kill the priests of the Lord for their allies and conspirators with David. They knew he was running away from me, but they didn't tell me. But Saul's men refused to kill the Lord's priest. So then Dave, uh, King Saul said to um, Doeg, so Doeg the Edomite turned on them and killed them that day, 85 priests in all, still wearing their priestly garments. Then he went to Nob, the town of the priests, and killed the priest's family, men, women, children, babies, all the cattle, donkeys, sheep, and goat. Who was responsible for that? David. My friends, when we take our eyes off the Lord, when we start to focus on something else, there's consequences. And often it hurts the ones that we love the most. And our hearts are to be the best dad, the best wife, the best husband, the best uh, son-in-law, daughter-in-law that we can be. But if you want to be able to model that, you have to model that at home where you say, God, in the midst of trouble, 
in the midst of trials, help me not to fall into old habits, but help me, Lord, to seek you with all of my heart. When it becomes apparent that your dreams are not coming true and that you feel like you've been stripped of everything, this is not the time to run, nor the time to take matters into your own hands, and it's definitely not the time to turn your back on God. This is the time to press into His presence. Your dreams may not be happening. Perhaps things aren't turning out the way that you expected. But that doesn't mean that your life is spinning out of control. It just means that you're not in control. It is those moments that you can learn to trust the only one who's ever had control in the first place. When we feel hopeless, we either run taking things into our own hands or we give up instead of waiting for God to do what we think He should do. So David makes some very costly mistakes. He's running and hiding. In fact, the middle of the cave, he's got a God moment. You see, him and his mighty men are inside of this cave. They're hiding in the darkness. And the Bible tells us that Saul comes into that very cave that his whole army is in to relieve himself. So Saul goes into a corner and his men say to him, this is your opportunity. We can finally get out of this cave and we can go into that place of the palace. David, we don't want to be here anymore. David, kill Saul. End this and you'll be king. So David walks up on Saul and all of a sudden he feels conviction. And he's like, you know what? I cannot kill the Lord's anointed. That is not what the Lord has shown me to do. So he takes his sword or his knife and he cuts off a piece of the robe of, of Saul and Saul walks outside, finished, and he, he stands up and he, sell, he out, shell, shouts out, Father! And Saul turns around and he says, I have a piece of the hem of your garment. I could have killed you, but I chose not to because you are the Lord's anointed. And all of a sudden, the Lord gets realigned in David's life because he chose not to do it on his own strength. And when that happens, Saul says, David... My son. You had, I don't know of another person who would not have taken that opportunity. Obviously, you are to be the next king. I'm, I'm paraphrasing it right now. You can read it yourself. Obviously, you have the opportunity. You are to be the next king. And this war is basically done. And God is glorified in Saul's and David's life. Let's read it here. Then he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say I am trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of the men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. It is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It's a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I'm not trying to harm you and that I've not sinned against you, even though you've been hunting for me to kill me. When David had finished speaking, Saul called back, Is this really you, my son David? Then he began to cry. And he said to David, You are a better man than I am, for you repaid me good for evil. Yes, you've been amazingly kind to me, for when the Lord put me in the place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would have let this enemy get away when he had him in this power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rules. Would the worship team come? My friends, 
Perhaps you're here this morning and you've turned your back on God. Maybe you've felt in your life that sting of disappointment and said it's all about me now because God's not looking after me so I'm going to do it. I'm the only one who knows how to look after myself. I see that the dream is has uh, the, the dream happened no matter what. The Lord is reminding you this morning that His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Will you yield this morning to the call of the Lord and say, God, I need you to be realigned inside of my heart this morning, God. Lord, I need to be able to call you Master and Savior because if I'm honest, God, I know I'm not living for you. That's you this morning. As the team gets ready to play, I just encourage you to stand to your feet and say, you know what? Lord, before the presence of these witnesses, God, I know I'm not right. And Lord, I need to be right before you, God. I want to live for you. And I want to walk with you all the days of my life. If that's you, would you stand? Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we need you. Lord, it's not time to start living for ourselves, but to put our hope, our faith, our trust into the King of kings and the Lord of lords. For God, you are faithful. Father, forgive us, Lord, for when we've walked and done our own thing. And Lord, may you realign us right now. God, we ask anew, come into our hearts, God. Lord, refresh us this morning. Father God, we want and we need you in our lives. I'm just going to ask you to stay standing for a few more minutes. Maybe you're here and you're in the middle of a real dark time. You find that you're losing hope. And this morning in this message you have found what it says in Isaiah 40, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You had a dark time this morning, and you just want to stand before the Lord and say, God, this season that I am in, Lord, it sucks. But God... I need to keep my eyes focused on you. For God, you are my fortress. You are my strength. And I ask for strength to come into my body again. If that's you this morning, I ask you to stand with us. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Father, from my brothers and sisters, 
who are going through it right now, God. And they're like, Lord, where are you, God? Father God, may you just bring forth a spirit of encouragement to them right now, God. Lord, may you lift them up where they can find you are our strength. Because Lord, no matter how big this problem looks, Father God, you are the solution. And God, I declare this morning over cold lake and over the heavens, not our will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, may you be glorified. God, may you be exalted. God, may you be lifted up. Lord, would you teach us that when those troubles come, not to rely on flesh and bone and saying, you know what, I'm going to take this and I'm going to run with the ball because nobody has ever cared for me. But God, would you solidify in their spirit, in our weakness, may you be strong. God, you are awesome. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name we ask it. Hallelujah. I just ask right now, you know what? This church has never been about a pastor. But it's always been, from the day that we first started this church, about a body. And I just encourage you right now, as, as members of Cole Lake Community Church, as people, believers who are strong in faith, would you find someone as we worship you can move around a little bit, but find somebody who's standing and just put your arms on their shoulders and just speak faith into their hearts. Because you know what? Together we can. That's the body of Christ. You know what? So many times I hear all over the place, why do I need to go to church? I can stay at home and still be a Christian. Absolutely. But you're missing out on the most important ingredient of Christianity, and that's fellowship. And when you isolate yourself and you sit down and you listen to great preachers on the television say, this is what's going to be my church now, you're missing out on what God has for you because there's a body of people who want to come alongside and speak value into your life. So I bless you this morning as your pastor. I bless you this morning in Jesus' name. And I just call things that are not as though, as though they were in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord. And brothers and sisters, just go and lay hands and encourage one another right now in Jesus' name. And then I'm going to close the service and we'll pray over the food and we'll go outside and have a great time at our, at our uh, family fall kickoff. Amen? Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.